Hey guys, here we are again at the Living Spiritual Greatness podcast. I'm so happy and so excited to share Safa's story with you guys. Um, uh, I felt it was a very spiritual episode that we had speaking about the different paths that you can take, but mainly, especially on how you can actually, what you can do best with your resistance that you feel every now and then towards the goals you want to have and of course on how it actually works to surrender to what your calling is in this life. <laughs> I hope you enjoy this episode as much as I did and I wish you loads of fun and loads of inspiration listening in to, to today. Have fun! Yay! We're all We're rolling! <laughs> <laughs> Hi awesome. everybody, I'm so excited uh, to for this interview here right now while interviewing, uh, while recording this, it's Friday evening on my part, but I think it's Friday around lunchtime in your part. I yes, think. it's like, yeah, lunchtime right now. Perfect, and we're doing another interview around the world again, but we're going to get into that more now for now. Hello, how are you, Safa? <laughs> I'm good. How are you doing? <laughs> very good. Very excited to have the interview with you today. Um, before we get started, as always, I don't know much. Uh, I mean, I know for some reason we decided to do this interview, so that's a good thing. <laughs> <laughs> and everything else is just going to happen through the interview. But also for all our guests that are tuning in and listening either through podcast or uh, YouTube and Vimeo, let, let us know who are you right now? What do you do? And yeah, what's your magic of the moment? No problem. So my name is Safa Arias. I am an intuitive healer as well as women's health and wellness life coach and a yoga teacher and a podcaster. <laughs> <laughs> so all the things I always say, I wear so many hats sometimes, you know, but uh, it's the long and the short of it essentially comes down to, I think I've always known I've got a very unique spirit and I never really knew quite how to channel it until recently. And so it's been several different iterations of what I call my Kali phase that have brought me here. And the reason I say that is because if, um, I don't know how familiar the listeners are with the goddess Kali, but Kali is just so beautiful and so powerful. She comes in and kind of uproots everything so that new things can come into place and to fruition and creation. So there have been, as there are with most of us too, I shouldn't say it's just me, but like I've just identified with it this way is there've been so many different iterations of rebirth and death and recreation in my life, especially over the last seven years that I look back and I'm just like in awe at everything that's happened. And so I bring that up to say that the way I got to the work that I do today with women in particular or with the feminine is I grew up in Mexico city, um, surrounded by a lot of very strict ideas around what spirituality and even sexuality and all of these other things were. And they affected the way in which I related myself or the stories that I created to allow myself to relate myself to the world around me. One of the biggest stories that I had in my life, and it's probably the one that I talk about the most because it was the most prevalent in my own life, was that I wasn't worthy and I wasn't good enough. And that story led me down the path of developing an eating disorder. And so, and that lasted for several years until I came across the practice of yoga. 
And it was entirely by accident too, because I there's a there's a place here in Houston, Texas called Cherry Blossom Yoga, where I um, where I attend and I teach. And I'd walked by and seen some really cool like clothing items, you know, by the window. But I didn't think it was like a yoga studio. I just thought they sold like yoga clothes and stuff. So I went in there looking for leggings, you know, like if it was Lululemon or something and discovered that no, that it was a full studio. And I started attending. And I remember from literally from the first time I unrolled my mat, I could feel a difference in my soul. I couldn't quite put my finger on it. And it was funny because you know, the practice does this curious thing where it shifts things around for you. So sometimes you go and you feel very happy and you leave feeling incredibly angry and you don't know why. And we tend to blame it on the teachers or the class or things like those. And it has nothing to do with any of that, but everything to do with us. And so I remember going a few times and leaving just like a mess, you know, like I cried and I left angry and I couldn't figure out why the heck I kept coming back anyway. Um, but little by little through the practice and the connection to self, I started to be able to see past these and into, I shouldn't say just past, but into and through the stories that I had set up for my life and the reasons why. And so it was like I was chipping away at everything little by little. And through that, I was able to make the decision to heal and to really start learning me as a person, as a soul, and to really start healing and embracing my path, right? And so I do that and I take teacher training and I become a teacher, a yoga teacher. And funny enough, at this point, I'm, I'm having a very connected but distinct relationship with myself and my food and everything and so students curious as to what it is that a yoga teacher eats as they always are <laughs> innocently came up to me and asked me about it but I didn't feel qualified enough to say anything because who am I to like be giving nutritional advice I wasn't a dietitian you know so I decided to embody that next part of my life and get certified to uh to deal with nutrition and I did and then the clients that started coming to me looking for nutritional advice were but as we talked Suddenly, my intuition, which had been pretty strong since I was a kid, but almost ignored up until, you know, a couple of years ago, started kicking in tremendously. And I would find myself in conversation with my clients saying things that had nothing to do with kind of what they were there for. You know, we'd start out talking about diabetes and I'd start laying out a plan and everything. And then all of a sudden I would start asking questions about growing up and you know how they felt about this and had they even noticed what their body felt like and could they even connect to their heartbeat and all of these things and so it's funny because all of my clients inevitably would look at look at me like who is this crazy lady and did I just mess up <laughs> did, I, did I just make the wrong mis you know the wrong uh, the mistake of signing up to be a seen by this nutritionist who's like talking about other stuff but yet they kept coming back and we kept progressing as, as we progressed more, the more they noticed themselves and the more they were able to heal. And so then I knew, like I knew the universe was calling me to be something greater than, and it was kind of like it had, she, the universe had laid out all these little steps to take me through so that I could embody this intuitive healer that I am today. But I was so afraid because I, again, I go back to my stories, right? My household was all, it still is 
my family and everything, it's still very like you have to do the things and you have, you're, you know, if you're going to make any money in life or you're going to, if you're going to have any worth in life, you're going to have to do these things. And when you don't, then you're a bum or you're like, you know, wasting your life and what are you doing? And, and <laughs> so I was afraid of taking that leap. Plus I was also in the process of discovering that the marriage that I had been in for so long wasn't really serving either of us, which was also really like a whole other kind of Kali phase, like a whole other death phase. And they're both happening at the same time. So it's like within literally within the span of two years, I opened my nutrition business um, and start noticing the shift. And then I start knowing that I have to make something change within my life and my relationship. And so it all kind of seems to crumble down at the same time. So when I refuse the call of the universe to become this embodied intuitive healer, suddenly clients start disappearing on me. <laughs> and, mm-hmm. and I'm like, oh, I'm being pushed. I'm being, and I know I'm being pushed, but you know, that, that's, I still had enough fear that I was making me hold back. And the same in the relationship, you know, I kept, no, no, there has to be like another way, another way. Until I remember sitting um, in conversation with, with, with a person one day and, and, and just knowing, just knowing. And I was like, okay, enough. Like, let's let's do this this is good it's going to be useful if if i'm going to be helping other women come into their true selves and step into their true power and live thriving beautiful powerful lives that they deserve i can't do this anymore (laughs) so you know it was like my come to terms moment and i was like okay all the things and so i did i changed all the stuff and this is kind of what's led me here. So it always cracks me up when someone asks me the question, you know, tell us about yourself and what you do. And I'm like, okay, are you ready for this? Because it's a long story. And that is even the abbreviated version. You know what I mean? So it's just like. <laughs> no, but I yeah. think it's incredible because you already picked up one part that I always find. Um, and, it, and your story describes it so beautifully because I feel that following our passion, following our purpose in life uh, is about, on one hand, finding what feels good for us and what feels light. But also, on the other hand, it's a little bit of a surrender to to the universe, to our souls, to to the purpose that is given to us. Mm, And we sometimes think that we don't want to. that we don't like it you know it's not nice it's not easy but the and and i feel that your story shows that that actually it was harder to resist than to actually just let it go and just flow with it right a hundred percent and i think that that's a lesson i've learned in my own life over the last like i said the last seven years of my life specifically i can put down to like the, the day um have been very formative and very transformative in the fact that, and they've informed me a lot in realizing that there are two things in this world that we really need to be cautious of. What are we resisting and what are we trying to force? Because anytime we are either resisting or forcing something, we are going against the flow of nature and against the flow of the universe in general. You know, and that applies to everything. So if you're in conversation with someone and you're finding that there is something that they are saying or there is a phrase that they're using or or something that you're really like resisting and you're getting angry about. And I think we can see this a lot culturally in the world right now. You need to question why. Like you need to be able to see, take a little bit of a step back and ask what is it about this 
either phrase or this person or the situation that is making me resist so much and not see the other person as like myself as an expression of the universe, however you want to call it, you know? So that, that is like on a one-to-one level. And then individually in our own lives, usually when we're resisting something that much is because maybe subconsciously we know that the transformation is going to be painful and it's going to take some doing, but you know what, at the end of the day, anything and everything, in my opinion, in this world that is worth spending any kind of energetic output is going to demand that. It doesn't matter if it's a relationship with yourself, with your parents, with your significant other, your friends, your work, whatever it is, it's going to demand it. We can't just expect to stay stuck in this idea of immediacy that has become so prevalent in our society that like, oh, I just show up and it gets done. You know, we question why we never fulfill like new year's resolutions, for example. And I'm like, well, cause our resolutions are resistance and they're forceful. You know, they're not really, they're not really in, mm, what would you use the word? They're not creative. They're more destructive than anything else. And that's what resistance and forcefulness do. They like put you in a place of disconnect with the flow of the, of the universe. And so, like I said, I talk, I mean, I'm a fast talker and I just went through that story pretty quickly for you, but it you i've learned also that just because you feel it doesn't mean that you have to run away from it and also it doesn't mean that you are that so just to give you a quick silly example like this week i was in the middle of like getting really excited about some new projects i'm working on all that means for like myself the people around me all that stuff but at the same time i was also in a state of like sadness so i was like sad but happy and excited all at the same time and i was able to like make enough time within my world to feel into every bit of those emotions the pain the sadness the it's the the discomfort as well as the pretty stuff you know the happiness the exuberance all of that stuff knowing that i'm not those emotions And I think that that's a bit perhaps for us where that resistance comes from is that we think if we allow ourselves to go there, we're going to get stuck there and we're going to become that thing. But just because you feel it doesn't mean you are it, you know? And again, when it comes to force and resist, like anything that you're resisting that much, essentially that you're running away from it, kind of like a feral animal. And I'm a super nerd, so I will out myself real quick here and say, if you haven't seen or read um, The Last of the Unicorns, there's this one line, and I'm probably going to butcher it, so I'm sorry about that, but there's this one line in there where they're looking at these creatures, and the main character gets warned not to run because you attract that like dangerous creature or whatever, and it's the same thing. You know, if you, if you run away from, or if you really resist X, Y, Z in your life, all you're doing is getting its attention. It's like a feral animal. It's just going to go after you. It's just going to bullseye on your back and it's going to go zero in and go right after you. Anything that you're trying to force, it's not going to work. Like I always use the example of King Arthur. I have this very visual, like vivid image of King Arthur going up to that sword after all of these Poor, like really Vin Diesel type dudes have gone in and tried to pull the sword out and they couldn't. And here comes this scrawny little kid 
you know, who like probably dressed in rags because he's been hanging out with like the hippie in town, which is Merlin. He comes up to the sword and like literally like effortlessly just, <laughs> just takes it out because there's no forcefulness. There's no aggressive, there's no like tearing down in nature to that. It's just a very easeful surrender. You hit the nail on the head earlier. It's about graceful surrender. And I know that that word scares us because we've been associating it with weakness and defeat for so long that it makes us, you know, it almost makes the hair on, on the back of our necks stand up. But what it really is, is accepting grace of the present moment and allowing. All you're doing is allowing. And like I said, it doesn't mean it's always going to be all rainbows and unicorns. I mean, <laughs> I wish, but it is going to be creative at the end of the day. I love that you're saying that it's so creative because, I mean, I've been dabbling with, you know, just following your inner flow for a long time. And I remember a friend of mine giving me, I don't know if you ever heard of Wu Wei or Wu Wei. Some people say Wu Wei. It's a Chinese philosophy that comes out of Taoism. And it's basically so. the philosophy of doing nothing that goes against your own flow. Nice. So, and I love it because I've, I've actually, 2020, when the year started, I decided this is not my new life philosophy because I've realized that whenever I thought, and this is business, personal development, like in all areas of my life, whenever I tried to force something or I have to do something now, it was like it, I would get stuck and stuff. But whenever I would say, okay, I'm not going to do anything. Today, I think, you know, Bruno Mars, I'm not going to do anything today. I'm just going to say, <laughs> yeah. I, I don't re remember how to sing it, but. Um, so sort of like that. I'm like, I'm not going to do anything. If I feel like binge watching Netflix, I'm just going to do that today or if it, you know, whatever comes. And the, the amazing thing is the most, I just say that I'm not going to do anything. And then suddenly I'm like, Hmm, I feel like getting up. I feel like sitting in front of the computer. Like I've made beautiful websites in those moments, or I've created <laughs> programs for my clients in those moments because and I, and I, and because it's just a stepping out, not forcing anything, just allowing things to happen the way they want to happen. And it's like you said, it's so like, those are the moments where I'm most creative. Mm -hmm. If I'm sitting there and I'm like, okay, I have to do it now. It's like, I'm not going to get anything done. Yeah. But the moment I let go and say, okay, whatever wants to happen will happen. It's like, for me, that's why I always say silence is so loud. It's so oh, loud. Yeah. allow it to, to give space and it's so creative. If you just allow it, you know, if you shut everything out, it's so amazing. It's so beautiful. I know. I think that it's funny as you say that I'm, I'm just feeling it's funny because as humans, we seek happiness desperately without realizing that there's a step there that actually could be much more foundationally powerful for us, which is peace you know, and presence. If you can be within presence, then contentment follows, which is one of the principles of the yoga practice. And so maybe that's why I speak so easily to it. But, and what that does is you're absolutely right. It's the allowing that, that lets us hear our intuitive and intuitive call. It'll say, you know, and I see, I teach this a lot when I, when I talk about nutrition, I'll just start it there so that it maybe we can relate it more to something physical. People will understand it much more than if I just go very metaphysical. Right. So if we, we talk about nutrition and, and 
as someone who's experienced an eating disorder, I know that the way that we relate to eating is very disordered in general. Like I can almost guarantee the greater part of the population has a disordered relationship with food because we think in terms of very linear. Like if I do this, I'm good. If I don't do this, I'm bad. And we don't know though that all the while we've blown past listening to ourselves, to our bodies. Like, do you even know what your hunger really feels like in your body? You know, like, what does it actually feel like to be hungry? Not starving to the point where you're going to like, you know, hangry, like scream at everybody, but like truly hungry. And what do you enjoy? What is it about the food that you're eating that you're relishing? And what is it that you, if I wake up in the morning and I'm like, I want a Pop-Tart, I'm like, okay, cool. And I'll give myself the permission to enjoy it without beating myself up over it. You know what I mean? And that freedom changes so much. So it's the same in your day-to-day stuff. When you allow and you listen and you notice that, wow, this project I was working on, I was trying so hard to make it happen. And I was trying so much to force it without noticing sometimes. Because I think that's for me, I'm one of those people who does that still. You know, I'm still working. It's a practice. You have to work at it daily. I still sometimes force things because I can see a greater outcome. And sometimes I'm still like, no, no, but it has to, you know, until it comes to <laughs> a point where I realize that the thing has stagnated. And then if it stagnates, there's nowhere for it to go. So that's your, you know, all the while your intuition is like, stop it, stop it, stop it. Meanwhile, you're still plowing ahead giving yourself like panic attacks or something and you're just not paying attention. So when you can, you know, pay attention and notice and go, Oh, this thing I wanted or, or this that I was like really neat called for in my soul that I could feel this made me excited. This got me, gave me life. You know, it just made me like be a completely different person that happened when I wasn't seeking it out or where I wasn't forcing it. And, and the universe works the same way. Like it's almost like if you're dating someone who's hyper needy, you know, if you're dating someone and they're calling you every five seconds or they're not respecting your boundaries or they're like all over the place and they want all of your attention all the time. And they're like, give me, give me, give me, give me. You're going to be like, Ew, get away from me. The universe is the same. So if we're constantly going after the universe, like, come on, come on, come on, come on, come on. Like I want more, like I need this. I look at that. The universe is going to be like, Ew. <laughs> stay, stay aside, man. Stay aside. You know, it's the same type of situation. Yeah, especially because the neediness is something. It's also how do you say lack of, and the universe yeah. is always going to mirror whatever I'm doing. And if I'm needy, I'm in lack of something. So the universe is going to keep on giving me lack of something for it. Yeah. As well. Oh, you like this lack? You like to be? Yeah, needy. you want more? Okay. Yeah, exactly. Have some more. Have some more. <laughs> I actually, my, uh, I, I, I. I don't know when it started, but somehow I got my computer to be the help of my intuition, of, my, of you know, that power or the universe, because whenever something is not working, like if I'm working on a website, suddenly the technology is not going to work. Something on the website, you know, like uh, suddenly it doesn't save or something. I don't know. Something happens and it's like, wow. and, I, and, and I've realized for now, it's like, okay, if something like this starts happening, I don't, I'm like, okay. I got it. I'm turning it off. I'm going out now. <laughs> you know, like I'm leaving that's this crazy. place right now. It's amazing. That's so wonderful amazing. that you can do that. Yeah, that's great. I, love I wish I could say that, but no, technology in general just doesn't like me. Like I told you at the beginning <laughs> of the call, I was like, oh my God, of course, of all things, like the one thing I need. So I, but that's fantastic. See, to yeah. me, 
Um, what it's really come down to is little things, you know, like the things that give me peace and that I, even though they may stress me out, like, you know, right now I'm working on a project with a friend and it's just like, I've never done quite a course at this level before. So I'm excited about it. I know it's going to be great and it's fantastic. We both can see beautiful things in it, but I'm having to do a lot of the back end stuff of it. So like the whole time I'm like slamming my head against the wall, like, just like why technology, why? But at the same time, I've got so much peace about it. You know what I mean? That it just, it keeps, it's that inner guide that keeps telling you. One thing that I also, to that point, tell to, uh, and if I'm rambling, let me know, because I do that a lot as an HSP, you know, like, (laughs) uh, one thing that I always tell people to with intuition, because I think we, we don't fully understand as a society what intuition actually is. And we've been told it's, it's woo-woo, it's wishy-washy, it makes you flaky, it means that you're not going to show up, it means you're like some hippy-dippy person that you know, doesn't take responsibility and all that stuff, which it could mean, it could be out there, it could exist. But in my, in my experience, what I've learned is that your, your true intuition is an inner knowing and it's a guide, which means it's not based off of emotion. It's completely separate from emotion. And I think that's the piece that we sometimes miss. It's that we think that an intuition is going to be, first of all, Hollywood type magic. It is magic, but it isn't Harry Potter magic, unfortunately, or fortunately, (laughs) you know? So we think it's going to show up like, you know, like a unicorn and be like, here you go. This is what you, but it, um, it's intuition is very calm. It's peace. It's just you, it's you walking through the door at at a restaurant and feeling, Ooh, there's like something heavy here. Let's step out. But it isn't you going into that restaurant, feeling that, and then going into like a panic. Something's going to happen. I can't believe blah, blah, blah. Start. And you, if you start getting into your fear-based stories, that wasn't your intuition. That was just you, you saw something you translated it into one of your stories, you put it through the mill. And then that was, that's where that was coming from. That's why sometimes people talk to like people like you and me and they're like, Oh, you're like an intuitive, whatever the heck that means. And they're like, that probably means you don't do shit or like, you're just, you know, whatever. Um, flaky, useless, uh, oil, snake oil salesperson or whatever. And it's because I think the experience of, of that call has been the person who uses intuition as an excuse to never show up or as an excuse to like constantly flake out or as an excuse to not deal with their own internal things. So they keep running away from things, even though they're doing the work of healing. And, and I'm trying, I'm trying to say that in such a way that it doesn't come across as judgy as it just did. (laughs) (laughs) No, but I think, I think, yeah, I think it's partly Hollywood. I think it's, you know, like yeah. the media, how it's been shown. I know because my parents grew up sort of like that. For them, having me telling them, you know what, I'm I'm learning shamanism because that's how I got started. And they were like, uh-huh. <laughs> like instantly, I didn't know what to talk to my dad about anymore. And I was, I was, you know, like daddy's girl. And suddenly it's like, we don't have anything in common anymore. Yeah. Until I realized yeah. that I found new words for it and to, to, to show it a little bit differently. But that's on one hand. And on the other hand, that's also one of the things that I realized dealing with my parents with this was that it, it, it's not just that they judge that and see it as some, some, they just use those judgments because they fear it, because they don't know about it. And, you know, especially, I mean, you know, with the Latin American culture of, you know, having uh, uh, how do you call it, how do you say this in English? 
embrujamientos, you know, when they, when they, uh, maldiciones. Yeah, just like, what do you call that in English? I think it's filtered through as evil. I always say that our egos in the process of trying to protect us, because that's their only task. So let's exactly. stop calling ego evil as well. Like, ego <laughs> yeah. Protect us. Exactly. But so in the process of letting it protect us, it decides to create boxes, you know, good, bad, you know, nice, you know, filthy, whatever. And so in, and when you move one iota outside of those boxes, the ego freaks out. And so it starts to say, you know, it's like you said, you're right. Especially with the Hispanic community. Like if my family hears me talk about witchy stuff, they'll, first of all, I'm sure exorcisms will be talked about, you know, like it's just not something that is seen as something good. But when you, in my experience, when you allow, again, we go back to that word allowing, perhaps that's the one that, that needs to be really put out into the universe today by both of us, is when you go into allowing the space for observation and really listen to what it is that people are, are, are doing or using to connect to higher being, to higher self, to universe, to God, to whatever, then you can see so much beauty within it. And to me, that's like... I, that's where I always feel as though when we create a system that becomes entirely rigid, we run into a wall. So in this case, particularly, I'm speaking about religion, you know, religion, which can be so useful and which can bring so much beauty into the world, but has also become so rigid that there have been you know deaths in in the name of certain things or that there has been so much abuse and there's been so much like to that side of it not that that's the only part of it like i said there's always two sides there's always the duality but so if there's going to be good there's going to be the opposite as well and so when it comes to those rigid type points of view again question why are you resisting this so much and you will be able to get at the bottom of something usually when it comes to intuition things like those it's either people who maybe are not religious but just believe this is stupid you know mom, because they're not religious they're like this is mama jumbo again i go back to the sales snake sales salesman kind of idea um <laughs> or because they've been religious they've got an information that this is evil and and bad and filthy and i know because i came from oh god this is a whole we would have to do a whole other show on this but i was brought up baptist <laughs> You know, and then, but then my mom discovered something about her own story that then she brought me up mostly because my, my brothers were already kind of out of the house, but brought me up mostly then Jewish. And then, but I still went to like a Christian high school. It's just very confusing. But I think the reason that served me is because I can just as easily go to like a mosque as I can go to a synagogue, as I can go to church and be in sacredness without having any conflict and understanding what that sacredness and that God, or, you know, however people relate to it is to me, you know, so it's just, a, it's interesting, because I know, I know where that comes from. And, and when I first started practicing yoga, I was terrified, because I'd read, um, I'd read some Christian book that specifically talked about yoga and meditation, and said that they were like, that's how you open the door to the devil, and that's how you get possessed. And so when I first started, I was like, oh, no, Am I going to get possessed? Like if I chant and these people are chanting Om and what does Om mean? And does like, like, is it, you know, like it just, is it devil worship? You know, all these things. <laughs> I, I was going to say, cause I actually have a, uh, well, I wouldn't call him friend, but someone I knew way back then that uh, I think like two years ago posted something about how yoga is the, the doorway to, to, to the devil. And I'm like, 
what's happening? Like I could like anything, yeah. but not yoga. Like how can, well, whatever. Like, okay, you, you no. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But yeah. I, th I think it's just also the fear. Cause one of the things that I've noticed as well is that a lot of the more modern practice, spiritual practices that we have empower us to, like you say, owning the things ourselves, you know, being in the moment, seeing that we don't have to be the emotions. We don't have to be our thoughts as well but it empowers us to feel the divine energy within ourselves. And I feel that a lot of the religious practice that we've had so far uh, keeps us a little bit, you know, like having an exterior div divinity. And so that way we can always, you know, blame that mm -hmm. for whatever's happening in our life instead of, you know, put, get, getting the rails in our hands and saying, okay, this is my life. I can actually, you know, do something about Separate. it. And then you get into the heaviness of you get into the heaviness of the patriarchy and how it shows up through certain because if you really think about it, anything that's going to give the female or the feminine a true powerful voice usually is going to be get labeled as evil. You know, that's why to me, like the name, the title witch or the word witch is synonymous with powerful woman or like empowered woman, you know? And I don't think that you can talk about the history of the witch without talking about female rights, <laughs> you know? Cause it's, it's the, the search for, no, you've got to stay tiny and meek and quiet and in your place. And for, for a woman to have power and be that creative force that we really should be according to like the sacred feminine, then it can be very scary when everything has been so rigidly one-lined and based against that for so long too. Exactly. One of the things um, that I realized, because I did a, how do you say, women's circle teacher training. So I dove deep into, you know, feminine energy stuff. And I remember um, one of the things that, that stuck out to me very strongly was how we relate being emotional as being weak. And usually when you think about feminine energy, it's about being emotional. So mm -hmm. why is it that being emotional is so bad? And on the other hand, for me as a coach, I mainly I've been working the past couple of years, mainly with German speaking people, and it's a very head based society. So you have and culture. So you have a lot of people that don't allow emotions specifically and are actually sick because of that. Mm -hmm, because mm -hmm. they're missing that part so how can we call it because maybe way back then everybody was saying to be emotional is you know to be weak and if you want to show strength you have to mm -hmm. you can't show emotions and it's it, it it's so hard to see that how the society has made that and makes everybody sick because of that yeah it is and i think it's the misunderstanding that softness and flu soft and fluid and generous and rich and voluptuous is weak when it's the complete opposite to me there is so much true strength and power in the sacred feminine i mean like so much it blows my mind away and i always liken it to like a lioness prowling you know you're not going to go up to a lion and like take is it a lioness and take her for granted just because she's female, you know, by just looking at her that you better watch out. And that's funny to me because there are so many elements to the lioness that, that are not what you think strong. She's 
cuddly with her cubs. She's taking care of everybody else, you know, in, you know, in what, I don't know what you call like a, a group of lions. I, I'm, the word is running out. I, like I'm thinking about wolves, but that's not, not the pack. Right, I would I call think. it pack the, too. <laughs> that's what I was thinking. It's not pack. I don't think it is, but anyway, whatever it, it, it really is. And then she's, you know, being soft when she needs to, strong when she needs to, and how she needs to. And it's the same with the feminine. That's why she's also so akin to the water. A freaking ocean seems soft and gentle or whatever to like someone who hasn't actually been out there. (laughs) If you ask a sailor, they're going to tell you the ocean has to be respected. You know, it's you respect the hell out of the ocean. And it's the same with the sacred feminine. You don't take it for granted. You respect it. And at the same time, that ability of, of the sacred masculine to be in honor of itself in its obvious strength, yeah, but also where there is much less obvious strength, which is sacred masculine is very powerful, but it creates in a different way as the sacred feminine, you know, it just, but it isn't aggressive. There's the difference. It is aggressive when it's off balance. It is not aggressive when it is where it should be. And so that's where I think it also comes interesting. And, and yeah, that affects us all. I mean, that idea that vulnerability, kindness, all of these things are weakness or, or, or not good, then they hurt, they hurt us physically, mentally, spiritually, emotionally. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And especially also because one of the things that I was noticing, cause I I'm watching the feminist movement that we're having right now around the whole world. And then the feminist movement that we had, Hold on, let me see. I think like 30, 40 years ago, um, like the first feminist movement, at least the one that I know here from Germany, and it, it was basically having women be like men. And yes. The movement yeah. we're having now is <coughs> let's just be inclusive and let's just be us. And I think that's the important thing because it's not about just healing the feminine side, it's also healing the male, the, the masculine side, because we all need both. We have moments, even as women, we have moments where we need our masculine side to come out to, you know, to be the one in action to do things. Right. And then sometimes we need the soft side. And this, this is for every human being. It doesn't matter if you're male, female or whatever. It's just, it's just a fact that we carry those energies with us. And it's about healing that in both in, in us to be able to use those those powers like the yin and yang like really in a flowy way there you go balance and duality everything in the universe exists in terms of dualities and it doesn't mean one's better than the other you know darkness is not better than light it's just the other side of the coin male is not better than female it's just the other side of the coin that's kind of where it goes exactly Mm -hmm. exactly no judgment at all Um, tell us a little bit about, cause I, you said earlier, you grew up in Mexico basically, and then came to, yes. to the U S at some point. Yes. How was it? Cause you said <coughs> something sorry, happened. Like, so, sorry. Don't worry. Drink something. If you have, if you have something, I, I, that's why I give these. I, I think I do. All right. Give me a second. Hang on. <laughs> no worries. All right, sorry about that. It's like allergy season and <laughs> my dogs always drag stuff in. 
So I can sit for a little bit and be fine. And then all of a sudden it's like, oh no, there's something in my throat. What is it? <laughs> but, but yeah, sorry, come on. Yeah, no, I was just wondering, <clears throat> because you said that basically seven years ago, the big changes started. So did something happen seven years ago that made you make that shift or, and it ha yes. does it have to do with you moving from Mexico? Or how was that for you? No. So I moved from Mexico to the U.S. when I was in high school, starting high school. So I was just 15. I was very little. So no, it doesn't, uh, it didn't have anything to do with that. <laughs> But what it had to do with, it's so interesting. I had been going through my second round of yoga teacher training because I got my 200 hour, but I wanted to further my studies. So um, I wanted to keep on, and I still do keep on studying. It's kind of like a passion of mine to keep the study up. <coughs> Man. <laughs> Sorry. No worries. All good. No more dust. No more dust. Um, so I, uh, through my teacher training, I had been invited to go to the Texas Yoga Conference. And that particular year, they were having a unique Kundalini session. Now, prior to going, I had been re-gifted or someone had re-spoken to me about the book, uh, The Mists of Avalon, so, which is one of my favorite books of all time. It's a series. But I'm someone who also responds very deeply to vibration because I think everything in the universe exists and works in terms of light, vibration, and energy. So I respond to that. And I like hearing books in audio sometimes versus reading them. And this had been given to me via audiobook. And at the same time, I was going to the yoga conference. Well, on the way there, I was listening to this book. And this book was blowing my spirit away like i remember listening to the words and i was like there's something about this there's the intuition right there's the inner knowing there's something about this that's making my soul feel alive for the first time ever probably or maybe in many many years since the last time something like that had happened and that was calling to me directly to honor it to listen to it to follow it to be aware of it and as that is happening. I'm going to the yoga conference and at the yoga conference, there's this Kundalini session, which I had never wanted to take Kundalini because there's, well, I have reasons, but I, I took it. And I remember in the middle of the practice, just feeling this like surge of the Kundalini energy. And I was like, <laughs> Oh my God, what is happening? And so I just left so heightened and I was in such a state of transformation already that everything around me was too much. Like I said earlier, I'm already an HSP and an empath and an intuitive. So sometimes life just is too much, you know, like sound, light, everything. I'm like, Oh, why, why? You know, sometimes. So I stepped out of that room and that's how I felt. I felt like I didn't want to be around people. It was too noisy. Well, I ran, like I was kind of trying to hide from everything. And I ran across a red tent which had been placed there by these beautiful women um, that work down here in Houston, Texas with the Red Tent Project. And I was like, I just went in there and I stepped in there and I felt like an energetic shift. I just knew 
something about that was special. Something about the divine feminine has started to call to me. And that's where it all started. And the reason why it all started to me was the sacred feminine and the divine feminine had been so sorely missing from my life for so long. And she had been looking back, I can see calling at me and to me for many years, but I hadn't really known how to connect because when you are so focused on something so external as was my eating disorder or as would be an addiction, you can't listen to anything else. And I couldn't, I couldn't listen to her up until that point. And through that, I remember just feeling a shift and it started, she, the divine feminine started asking and demanding things of me. She demanded presence and vulnerability and openness. And she demanded that I embrace my power and step into it and stop being a coward and call out the things that I wanted, stop the things that I didn't become every single bit, the woman that I am today, because it was necessary. You know, and so it was that inner call of fierceness and of power and of wild sort of creative in innate nature that was already inside me that started calling to me then. And so then what that did was that things in my life that weren't serving me anymore couldn't be in my life anymore. And it started bringing up issues within certain relationships, including my marriage and, you know, all of these other things in my jobs and things that I could have kept up with if I would have kept denying my own needs and my own importance and my own sort of unique calling to be a healer. But I couldn't anymore because it wasn't acceptable anymore to be, you know, walked all over or dismissed or, you know, gaslighted or whatever. It just wasn't. And so the more and the deeper I went into self-study and introspection and deeper that I went into the sacred feminine, the more that that became prevalent. And then, you know, I coupled that with therapy as well. I started going back to therapy for, for a while and, and learning about myself and accepting things about who I am, who I'm not, what the true reality is like, the boundaries that I'm willing to set and the ones that I'm not willing to cross anymore, my values, like my core values, all of that took seven years to really cement itself. And then it always continues to grow, right? Like it's been seven years, but it's going to continue to be the rest of my life as I keep growing and developing and changing. That's how things are. Nothing stays the same. Everything in the universe continues to change and transform into, into move. If it doesn't move, that means it's stagnated. And if it's stagnated, it's worse than dead. So you have to keep allowing that flow to continue. And so that's where I'm at right now. You know, it's taken all of that. And I say that and I wake up today and I'm this person that you see in front of you, but tomorrow I'll be someone else or next moment I'll be someone different because new lessons will come up, new things will be addressed and new powers will be discovered and, and new callings will be there. The values will mostly remain the same. Most of us don't change our core values um, very rarely, but it does happen. Uh, but we will look at them differently. You know, like if I used to, think that this one thing in my life was the single most important thing and relevant. And then the next morning something changed it, then it changed. And now something else takes that place. You know what I mean? So it just, that's what started. That's what started my journey seven years ago. And that's also, I think where I realized I wanted to be of service. You know, I didn't just want to be here selfishly in this world, living a life that was very like 2.0 in terms of like, Oh, this is what you're supposed to be doing. You know, just be, 
Instagram famous and like get all the people to like, like your yoga pictures of you doing like all these fancy poses and all of that stuff that never rang true to me. Same with like the nutrition. I never felt good giving my clients, this is what you're going to eat in the morning. This is what you're going to eat at night. Cause it's not the way that we were born to live this life, you know? So I couldn't do that. So it's about really tapping into that intuitive nature and that intuitive force and continuously growing that. And why that became important is because it, there is a new resurgence of the sacred feminine in our lives right now. I think that's why you see so much about the modern witch today. Like, I feel like there's nowhere I can turn without people going, Oh, I like witchy stuff. You know, look at my crystals. Look at this. Look at what I have. Like literally just a few years ago, when I said shit like that, people were like, what is wrong with Safa? And why are there crystals in her bra? You know? (laughs) Well, I think the reason why that, that is happening is because we're being called by the sacred feminine globally to become empowered, to become fearsome warrioresses of the light, to be there to support one another in sisterhood and to really create something new and much more alive to this world. But if we're going to do that, we're going to need someone to also help us get there because sometimes we need that guide. I did, not just my therapist, but all of my teachers, you know, and every single person who walks into your life as your teacher, same thing here. So I wanted to be able to be of service to other women in this world that way. I wanted to be able to say, hey, I know what it's like to not feel heard, to feel inconsequential, to feel like you're not being seen or like you don't matter or to feel like you need to keep shrinking yourself and and belittling yourself and putting your light away because that's what you've been taught. I know what it feels like to feel like your body has betrayed you at every turn. I know what it feels like to feel like you can't trust yourself. And I know all of these things. So allow me to just be a mirror for you and ask you questions that are going to make you see what your spirit needs. And ultimately, that's why it became important for me to make the huge change in my business. Because I don't want to just be the yoga teacher. I don't want to just be the nutritionist. I want to be the person who's going to sit across from you and go, why do you feel like this? Or have you considered potentially that if you reframed this for yourself in this way, you could gain more power for it? Or do you really need to stay in that relationship, you know, in things like those, because they seem inconsequential by today's like societal standards, but they're so necessary for us because it's one life we get and we can't just keep being complacent and little and good. That good little girl paradigm is done. It's over. It doesn't work. So it's time for all of us to come together and find that. And if I can be that voice and if I can call out and be like, hey, what's your boundary? Like, why are you setting it? What's your value? What are you looking at? You know, how are you going to step into this power and say enough is enough and make it about you first, second, and last, knowing that that's not egotistical and it's not selfish, but that you matter that much, you know? Yeah, and I think it's so important because it's how it makes us all more authentic. And I think it's so amazing that you mentioned a couple of times, uh, letting go of certain relationships because, um, and this is not just the love relationship. This is like friendships and, and, and all kinds of connections that we have oh, yeah. because the more we become ourselves, 
find our find out who we are, who we want to be, the more we are in tune with completely other people. And we are going to have our friends that are going to be with us our whole life because they are attuned with us. But the ones that are not, they just have to go and it's not going to hurt in that moment. I think a lot of people are afraid of changing themselves because of that, because they're afraid of letting go of so many people. But the thing is that you will be enriched with so many beautiful new people that are going to come in because you're finally on the same energetic level or vibration like they are. Yeah. I think it's what we've been taught and maybe it's a little unrealistic, kind of just like the Disney idea of what a marriage or a relationship should be like. And I'm just using that as a quick example, but like even with our friendships, like you said, and our uh, familial relationships, I think to me, what, one of the biggest things that I noticed from my own like divorce and then everything else is that I've, I've spotted in conversation with other people who've gone through something similar that, that if a lot of times it comes down to this, if you're growing and you're the only person growing in the relationship, whatever kind of relationship it is, even if it's just a friendship, that friendship is going to stagnate. And like I said, stagnation is worse than death. There's nothing, nothing that happens in stagnation mode. And we have to know that it is valid for us to want to step away from things that no longer serve us because either we're the only people growing, we're the only people growing, flowing, still moving, still doing, creating, and then it becomes very one-sided or because the time has passed. That's hard. That's, that's been a hard lesson for me to learn because I like to, to dream about having like friends for life, you know, people who are going to be around forever. But the truth of the matter is that it's okay for people to come into our lives at certain points in our lives just to teach us something and then move on. And that's fine. And it might hurt. It may, it may not be like this dream like vision that we had, but that is possibly the best possible outcome. If that really is the best possible outcome for you at that moment. There are also times where I think we go to the other extreme and we're too quick to give up on things because they take effort, energetic input. And so then it's a matter, like I said, as we got a question, where are we forcing things and where are we resisting things and why? Because in relationships, we do that too. We either force ourselves to stay and man, if it's not hard, like it's so hard to step off any relationship, yeah. any, especially with like judgments of like, yeah. It, uh, okay. One of the, I was just, just going to throw this out there, but one <laughs> of the things that came up a lot for me, like talking to people about why I was leaving my marriage was the why mm-hmm. there had to be, there had to be either abuse or cheating or they, and they, they wouldn't allow me to be validated in the fact that it had served the purpose it needed to serve. And it had stagnated so badly. We, each person needed recreation. And that was valid enough, you know? And I think we do that a lot with our lives. The same with our jobs or relationships or friendships. Like there always has to be the questioning of, of external forces of like, but why would you do that? You had it so good. Because from the outside looking in, you can't see what's going on inside. But you are valid in wanting what's best for you. And if what's best for you is no longer that person, that situation, then you've got a a right to walk away from it. And that actually is way more loving than trying to force something into still existing that doesn't have a reason to. 
Yeah. Because that's just, yeah. that's just controlling. And that's just going to make things crack even worse. Yeah. And if you're like running away from it, it's the same. Again, why are you resisting and why are you forcing the things that you are resisting and forcing in your life? There are reasons, but you need to be very discerning and very good at spotting the reasons so that you don't end up depleting yourself to the point where essentially you become a shell of yourself. Yeah. You know? And I believe that also not just only with relationships, it's also with jobs. How many times do you get stuck in a job that and you're forcing to stay there because you're supposed to stay there. Maybe your grandfather and father or mother, they all had that job, and now you're supposed to do that job too, but it doesn't make you happy. So why force it? Mm-hmm. Or why mm-hmm. resist the urge of leaving? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Whatever it is. Oh, uh, Safa, this was really beautiful. We're almost close to an hour. No, I think we're already almost uh, at an hour. Um, just a quick one so that everybody knows we're going to post all the, all, all your details, uh, um, below the video or in the show notes of the podcast, but maybe just a quick one, how, like what specifically, like, cause I'm probably, I'm not sure. Do you, do you do the on, uh, yoga online as well? Or which parts of what you offer your coachings do you do online and which ones are offline? Yeah. So I have a couple of things going on, right? As, as, because of course I'm, I do so many things. So if you want to work with me one-on-one, whether if it's specifically just for nutrition, or if you want to like do the internal work that I do of the intuitive healing, then you can definitely get a hold of me. And I'm still holding, like I hold one-on-ones via zoom or FaceTime or whatever works best for people. Um, and so you can email me for that. The email is info at nourishingpaths.com. And I always say, yes, there is an S at the end of the paths because sometimes people miss it so it's yeah nourishing paths plural because there's many ways to nourish our lives and our bodies and our souls um and i've got i just launched this year i launched an online sort of on-demand yoga studio where people can go and practice whenever they want to um and that one is on my website nourishingpaths.com so if you wanted to sign up for that it's great i'm trying to add content in there every month and little by little it's right now it's it's just started so it's not where i want it to be just yet but it's in the development and what it's going to have it's going to have everything from like courses and classes on the sacred feminine you know to like specific breakdowns as to how to do poses anatomically and how and all of that stuff i've got beginner classes restorative classes vinyasa hatha and right now it actually does have quite a good amount i've also got old classes like classes that i taught ages and ages ago just for like Picks, you know, um, and so you can access that. And I'm in the process of releasing a unique intuitive boundaries course with my friend Jen Angela. That one actually, we've got a free webinar on sub- September 17th, and the webinar itself is going to be a week after that. We're going to get started on Monday, but I don't have any of the details out to the public yet. Um, but if you want details on it again, you can email me info at nourishingpaths.com or probably simplest way to know what I'm doing these days is by Instagram. Cause I do appreciate a visual medium. Um, so Instagram is like my jam, right? So Instagram handle is at nourishing underscore paths. 
Um, and again, don't forget the S. <laughs> and so, yeah, those are the ways that you can connect with me and the, and the offerings that I have. Um, I also do, sometimes people will ask me to come and talk to their group of people. So if you need someone to come and do like a women's yoga retreat or like a women's leadership retreat or something like that, you want me to come out there and talk about whether it's intuition or how to tap into your power or the sacred feminine healing, eating disorders, any of that, um, then you can always reach me as well. Same, same ways. Awesome. So we're going to put all the links below in the show notes as well. So that you can, you can find it and uh, get in touch with. Oh, oh, and I forgot. I've got a podcast. Why wasn't I? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) We're definitely putting that one in there as well. What is your podcast? Yeah. So the podcast is what I say that the tagline is like, it's for open minds and open hearts to come together to talk about and discover new ways to heal. So what I try to do is solo episodes and interviews about modalities and things and tools and, you know, like questions from what is an HSP? What is a narcissist? How do you avoid narcissists? You know, how can you ground down clear and then like, you know, all of this, use sage, you know, what are some witchy things that we can use? Like, how do you follow the moon? Like there's, so it's a plethora of information. Um, and it just started. And I think that's why I keep forgetting to mention it, but it just got started. It's called you uplifted because the idea is to uplift everybody who listens to it. So that's also available. <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. We're going to post it in the show notes as well. If you guys want to. Awesome. Yes. And one last question that I have for everybody is like, do you have a book that changed your life or that, you know, made you, I, I know it's hard sometimes to just pinpoint one book. So if it's more, maybe you just want to name one. Cause I, or, I know you already said the mists of Avalon, but yeah. maybe would you say that's the one? <laughs> so I, for me personally, I would say that's the one, but also to, I think, um, <laughs> this is going to sound so silly, but it's so me. Uh, I think that the, the actual book, not the movie, and I will make that very clear, The Never Ending Story um, <gasps> is so yeah. metaphysical. It is so metaphysical. Like that book is just like life changing. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, did, I did everything. That was back then. I was nine years old. And I lived here where they recorded it. So that was like, yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. 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 So I love the movie, but the book is the one that like. I know. I I felt the same way when I was a child. Yeah. (laughs) A never ending story. That's so beautiful. Mm -hmm. Awesome. I'm going to put it down there as well for those of you. I I think books like that can be so amazing. I remember, when was it? Four years ago when I was on Hawaii, uh, on, on Kauai, realizing you know the Queen of Hearts and Alice in Wonderland, how she says off with her heads? Mm-hmm. And to me, that was like, that's so metaphysical. We need yeah. off of our heads to be in our emotions. <laughs> oh my God, and she's the Queen of Hearts. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's another book that's very metaphysical to me too. Yeah, you're not right. right? Yeah. I think I yeah. think that's like so much. I mean, with the cat and, you know, everything. It's just, and being big and small at the same time. Yeah so (laughs) just a little bit too having no but I I find a lot of um hidden messages in those kinds of books it's not just the little Mm -hmm. prince you know the little prince with his travel is that there are so many um books that were made for kids that are so incredible Mm -hmm. um and teach us a lot about being emotional and, and everything being being met- metaphysical like you said yeah totally 
Oh, Safa, this was so amazing. Thank you so much for being part of today's episode. This was really fun. <laughs> thank you so much. It was so fun and such a pleasure. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. And thank you, everybody, for tuning in and for being here and listening. And I hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. And talk to you soon. Bye, everybody. <laughs>